Hello, everyone. Our passage this evening is from the book of John, the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, from verse 18 to... Oh, from verse 1 to 18. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have received grace in place, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the, on, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. That's the word of God. Thank you so much, Patricia. Well, from Uganda to the UK to the US now, um, my name is Callum. I head up young adult ministry here in the church, and I'm going to speak just briefly on this passage. So if you don't have it in front of you, it'd be really great if you did. It's John chapter 1. The Bible's here in the church. It's on page 1063. It'd be great to have it in front of you because what I'm saying is not going to make nearly as much sense if you don't have it in front of you. Also, because this is, we believe, is God's word. It's God's message to you, to me, to this world. Uh, so it's a privilege to hold. So let's be... Uh, ready to hear uh, from God through his word this evening. And we're beginning a series looking at John's gospel. And the title of this series is Jesus, Powerful and Personal. And in many ways, that could sum up uh, the first 18 verses of John's gospel. John was actually a friend of Jesus. He knew Jesus. He says that even in verse 14. You see, the, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. He literally saw, got to know, touched Jesus. 
But I don't know about you, if I was to describe one of my friends, say my friend Tony, who lives in New York, uh, asked me to write a biography about him, you know, I would say he's very gregarious, he's very mischievous, he's very extroverted, uh, he's very hardworking, probably too hardworking. But we can see very quickly that John sees Jesus in quite a different light to just a normal person. I don't know if you picked that up. And these first 18 verses, he, he makes loads of claims. In fact, basically all of the themes that you're going to see in the rest of John's gospel are here in the first 18 verses, and he's just listing them out. In fact, as you, I hope you come back. You might not after hearing from me for the next few minutes. But as you come back and as you look at John's gospel, be looking out for all these things he's been saying in the first 18 verses. You're going to see them over and over as we look through John's gospel. But also, as, as we look at this, this is almost his snapshot, his like film trailer for the rest of the gospel. This is his kind of sneak peek. This is what he's kind of going to say in the rest of the gospel or spell out more in the rest of the gospel through his account of the stories, the, the, the life of Jesus. So I'm really excited about this. I'm also really daunted to talk about it so briefly. There's loads we won't be able to touch on. And I'd really recommend, if you want to read John's gospel for yourself during the week. I'd really recommend this book. Um, it's written by a guy called Andrew Page, uh, here amongst us, but he didn't sponsor uh, this, this endorsement. Um, did any, was anybody here part of, about last spring or about a year ago, a number of us did John, the John experiment together over Zoom? Is there anyone here that was part of that? Yeah, there's two. Um, so about 10 of us, there's kind of six sections Andrew breaks John's gospel down into. And we would look at a section each week on a Sunday, just for 30 minutes on Zoom, we would meet up and we would just chat about what we had read and, 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 and just go over it. And it was a brilliant, wonderful way of kind of together getting into God's word. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it difficult to, to study the Bible on my own. And it was just brilliant. I loved it. Um, Ellie and Catherine are nodding their heads yes as well. They loved it. So I'd really recommend, we have this book here um, uh, in the lounge if, you, if you'd like to get a copy. I'd really recommend, read it with somebody else. Maybe meet up and, and chat about it once a week as well. That endorsement is over. I'll collect my money afterwards from Andrew. Um, I'm joking. But let's get into this. Now there's so much, so much we could see in this passage, but there's just two kind of broad brushstrokes, things he's communicating, John's communicating here in this passage. And the first is just who Jesus is. And the second is how people respond. Who Jesus is and how people respond. So let's dig in and let's be open to what God might be wanting to say to us. And the first is that Jesus is God. You know what? Start big. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, this might sound confusing, this talking about a Word, the Word. Now, he starts with in the beginning, which if you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with Genesis, if you were Jewish, you would notice immediately, this sounds a lot like Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So for a Jewish audience, 
the two main groups uh, that John would have been writing to, 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 to Jews and to Greeks, they're going, oh, okay, this is exactly like Genesis 1, where God creates the world. And God creates the world, he speaks in Genesis 1. He said, let there be light, and there was light, and so on and so forth. So they're very familiar with this idea of the word being at the beginning, a word that creates the heavens and the earth. But also for the Greek, they had this word, the word. And it was the idea of some sort of, of mind or behind the universe, but it was impersonal. So in one fell swoop, John is saying, you know that word, <laughs> there is a God. But also, did you see, he was with God and the word was God. This is one of those moments in the first 18 verses, John's not going to explain that really, but you're going to see as you keep going in John's gospel. But he's saying, look, Jesus is God, but there's also, this is a complicated than just kind of one person. God, there's a Father, a Son, and as we'll see, a Holy Spirit. You might have lots of questions about that. I'll just say, we human beings are pretty complicated. It would make sense that the God who created the heavens and the earth would be even more complicated. I'll stop there for now. Jesus is God. He was with God in the beginning. Do you see how epic this is? But he also, he's all things were created through him, verse 3. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That might sound like very strange English there. From without him, nothing was made that has been made. But I mean, one of the most common objections I ever hear when you say, oh, you believe God created the heavens and the earth, that's kind of crazy. Who, who created your God? It's almost like John anticipated Richard Dawkins' uh, God delusion objection. Um, thousands of years before Richard Dawkins. But he's saying, look, something that was never made can't be made. God has always been. He was there before the beginning of time. He is the eternal one through which all things are made. How does something come from nothing? It doesn't. This something came from God. Through Jesus, everything was made. Verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. You don't have life without light on this planet. And Jesus similarly is the light of the world, bringing life to all humanity. He is God. Through him, this world and us was created. He is light and life for all humanity. But John doesn't stop there. Then he spells it out. Jesus is God in human flesh. If we want to know what God is like, because for many of us, we think, well, how can I know if there's a God? And how can I know what he's thinking and what he's like? And, you know, I, I, I just, do I just kind of pray and hope he zaps me with some sort of God bolt or something? no. God has come into this world. If he wanted human beings to know what he was like, what better way than to come as a human being himself so we could actually not just see him, but get to know him. And that's who Jesus is. Verse, if you skip ahead to verse 9, 
the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And in verse 14, the word, that's Jesus, became flesh, became literally physical flesh and bone, like the picture we saw at the beginning from Josh, and made his dwelling among us. He lived on earth. And if it wasn't clear enough, then at the end, verse 18, he says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, that's Jesus, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. These are massive claims. I'm standing here realizing, man, this is big stuff. Either this is true or it's absolutely crazy, but it definitely can't be hmm, interesting. Either Jesus is God in human flesh and we can know God or not. But the idea that he's just some kind of nice teacher, John, after spending years with him, definitely didn't have that picture. And I'd really encourage you, if you're really wondering who is Jesus, or you're sitting here this evening thinking, why am I here? And this is all kind of quite crazy. I really encourage you, why not keep coming and looking at Jesus for yourself in John's eyewitness accounts? Look for yourself. This is just the introduction. This is just the trailer. He's going to unpack this more. He's the creator. He's God. God in human flesh that we can see, that we can investigate for ourselves. But what's he like? He gives us a picture of even that in these first 18 verses. He's full of grace and truth. Look, uh, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. He mentions this grace again uh, in verse 16. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. He's basically just saying there's just so much grace coming from Jesus. Grace is unmerited favor from God. Uh, sometimes people use an acronym for grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's completely undeserved love, completely undeserved forgiveness, completely undeserved favor from God. It's, it's love and, and mercy and blessing from God that you just know, I, don't, I didn't play any part in deserving this. I don't have one ounce of kind of like smugness, like, yeah, I deserve this. That makes me just say, you know what? Man, God has been so good to me. It's humbling. It fills you with joy and excitement at just how amazing God's love is in the face of all we do against him. And it says Jesus is full of grace. He is full of love and mercy and forgiveness that's not deserved by us, but he gives freely. And he's full of truth. And this is an incredible thing. And it's such a good thing. So hear me out, that he's both full of grace and truth. Because the fact is, he is full of grace. He loves us. He's merciful towards us. 
You will not find anyone in this world who's more loving of you, who loves you more, but he's also full of truth. He is not bamboozled at all by the masks we wear as we live our lives. He's full of truth. He knows what we're like. He knows the truth, and he's not afraid to say it and to show it. It makes him a lot of enemies, as we'll see as we go through John's gospel. He's both full of grace and truth, and he doesn't compromise on either. Jesus, when he loves us, isn't going, all right, I'll just hold my nose for a second um, because you've got some flaws and you've got some problems here, but you know what? I'm I'm just going to pretend like they're not there. No, he knows us. He really knows us, warts and all. And he loves us. He's not tricked. He's not fooled. Sometimes we struggle to accept human love because we think, well, but if they really knew the stuff I'm ashamed of, the stuff I kind of downplay, if they knew me without all the makeup and the mask and everything going, maybe they wouldn't. Or maybe if I stopped performing to the peak of my ability, then they'd toss me aside. Jesus is under, he's not fooled by anything. He knows us. He's full of grace and truth. So he tells us the things we don't want to hear, but we need to hear. But he also loves us. And he deals with the things that need to be dealt with. To be honest, we can't. Our own sinful nature, our own tendency to kind of blow up things that we really shouldn't. He's full of grace and truth. This is what he's like. This is what God is like. This is God in human flesh, full of grace and truth. And this is just a sneak peek. This is just the first 18 verses. But also I skipped the middle, didn't I? Because right in the middle is this sandwich, is how humans respond. Look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. He came into this world for a reason, to show us God. God wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. But we do have to make a decision about Jesus. Do we want him? Will we receive him? Or won't we? Jesus, see, this is the where he's full of truth as well as grace. Jesus can be quite uncomfortable He comes and he wants a decision. Will you receive him or won't you? Is there a God or isn't there? And the fact is, and we'll see it throughout John's gospel, John keeps showing different examples of people who who reject Jesus and people who come to believe Jesus is God 
in human flesh, that he really did come to forgive us of our sins, that he really did come into this world so we could know God and put their trust in him. In fact, John actually says at the very end in John chapter 20, verse 30, that's the whole reason he's written this gospel, so that we can look at it for ourselves and might come to believe and through believing in Jesus and his name, have life in his name. And believing in his name, that's an interesting expression. To receive him, to believe in his name, that doesn't just mean some sort of intellectual assent. Okay, yes, I, I believe this is true. Um, please uh, give me my five pounds. No, as we'll see in just next week, in the second half of chapter one, Believing in Jesus is more than just intellectual assent. It's a relationship. It's a following after Jesus. It's a saying, he is actually Lord in my life, not me. Because to be honest, if he is God, the creator of the universe, creator of us, knower and lover of our souls, I think it's probably the right hierarchy that he comes first and I come second. By the way, that's one of the biggest ways we can misread the Bible as well, is to open it and say, what does this have to say for me? God, what you got for me today? Well, first, no, God's the main character of the Bible. It's his message to us. First ask, what does this say about God? What does this say about Jesus? Then what does that mean for me? But will we receive him to believe in his name is more than just intellectual assent. He's asking you to follow him. He's asking him to put your weight on him, to trust him in your life, more than you trust even yourself. Will you receive him? Many people don't, and many people do. And when they do, as we heard from Patricia, as I can say from, from my life, you find life. And not just life now, but eternal life with God. And you become a child of God. Did you see that verse verse 12? He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, of human decision, but born of God. Again, one of the themes you're going to see again in John's gospel Can you believe it? The God of the universe wants you as one of his adopted children. He's saying when you put your trust in Jesus, something supernatural happens. You become literally a child of God. A loved one. A loved, cherished child of God. For some of us, that's hard to to take in uh, because of our own experiences of family. But just know, this father is a really good father. And he so happens to be God of the universe, creator of the cosmos. Pretty cool. Who is Jesus? God in human flesh. All things created through him, you know, no big deal. He's the light and life of the world. He's full of truth, grace and truth. And he's come into this world 
so that we can be forgiven, so that we can know God. But he's asking for a decision. So I'd encourage you as we continue on in John's gospel over the weeks, be asking yourself, who is Jesus? If you don't, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I'd really encourage you, read the eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life. Ask the question, who is Jesus? Maybe you'll want to come along uh, later this month, we'll have an alpha course, which is a space for just exploring Christianity and asking any type of questions. There's no questions off limits. It's a really kind of, I find it a really great and fun and also safe space to ask all kinds of questions and just explore that for yourself. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've grown up in the church uh, like Patricia and I have, or, or maybe you, you haven't, but either way, who is Jesus? Are you following him? Not just intellectually assenting to him. And also, raise your vision of just who he is. We need reminding all the time. I'm constantly forgetting just how big and how amazing the gospel is. The God of the universe has come into this world for you and for me. And he's full of grace and truth. Will you receive him? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the word, Jesus. And I just really want to pray that tonight and in the coming weeks, Jesus would be very clear in our sight, in our vision, in our thoughts, in our hearts. Help us to look at, to investigate, to make up our minds about, but also to, to follow Jesus for ourselves. Not with our misconceptions, but with what it says about him in your word. Help us to know Jesus, the lover of our souls, the one who's worthy of our obedience. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.